why you would say it's bow hunting. It's bow hiking. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I told what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> That, uh, for those of you not watching, I feel so fat. But when you have an opportunity here. to make fun of Nate, yes, we, we pounce. By Dalton, we take it. You put a security t-shirt on and people just let you in. <laughs> they just let you in. Saw a deer and decided, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How hard could this be? Uh, We'd probably like to take a minute to yeah. thank our sponsors. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah, we don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> uh, struggle enough just to get a podcast recorded, <laughs> much less take magazine quality photos in the field with critter, live critters running around. Thanks for listening to The Crave. Sit back and enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode two of The Crave. Uh, coming to you is John Eastburn. Hello. Nate Aloysius Bailey. Greetings. And uh, Jake Siegel. So, hello. Episode, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I think I might do this whole episode in Christopher Walken's voice. So, wow. If That's anybody has got an issue with the host, just. <laughs> <laughs> be known that you may get a sharp stick in the face <laughs> <laughs> guys come on you knew i was in the deer hunter <laughs> it's a good show uh <laughs> talented um it is a good show that aside uh actually i'm glad i brought that up because not only did i watch the deer hunter this week i also watched deliverance for the first time hmm. um a strapping young uh burt reynolds my God, the guy's cut. He's uh, he must work out. He did work, did out, work out in that movie. Is he still alive? Things have gone he downhill is. recently for Bert. But yeah. <laughs> now he's now he resorts to uh, showing up on the Fast and Loud. That, oh. that mechanic show. Oh, I thought maybe uh, I thought maybe just I I know him also for his uh, his little uh, entries onto Saturday Night Live, uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> so uh, it's a big hat. Yeah, over yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, so I watched Deliverance, and that kind of got me thinking about um, outdoor movies, hunting and fishing movies. And not that that's uh, necessarily a hunting movie, although there are some uh, some victims in that movie that are are taken with a bow and arrow. And I started to think about the movies that do it do it well, um, and the guys that and gals that shoot a bow, or whether it's you know fly fishing or shooting a gun. You can always pick out the actors that have done a little bit of research, or maybe they just 
you know, were hunters or, or archers or, you know, fishermen. And it came naturally to them. And you can look across other sporting movies where there's somebody throwing a football or a baseball. Sure. Um, and you're like, man, this guy's, this guy's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. hunting and fishing, I was thinking about some of the TV shows and movies that have been out there. And, and I thought actually, so in Deliverance, they're, they're using a longbow. And uh, I thought they did pretty good, both him and, and John Voight. Oh, yeah. Driving around in John yeah. Boyd's car. Hmm. Interesting choice for family night Fridays. Yeah, it is. The kids <laughs> loved it. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Had to close our eyes in a few, few places. Oh, no. No, no. You no? learn this stuff mm-hmm. early, okay? <laughs> a lot of education that night then. <laughs> Public school system. I see where this, <laughs> I see where this is going. I want to know. How, I want him to know how to handle himself if he gets in case <laughs> you got a bully situation. Don't be afraid to string up the longbow. Ah, that's right. <laughs> ah, it's it's funny because I've never we've we joke. I've joked about Deliverance my whole life. Yeah, I've actually never watched the movie. Squeal Piggy. Mm-hmm. I've never watched yeah. it from front to back. I watched it once hmm. a long time ago. But yeah, they paint a picture of uh, pic- they paint a picture of uh, some of the midwestern southern states of of the country. Um, some would call it uh, backwoods, hillbilly types that they run into, um, and uh, mm. very stereotypical. They paint them in that light, but um, that aside, they spend a lot of time in a canoe and they're doing some rafting. And um, but I mean, there's a there's a few scenes where both John Voight and Burt Reynolds have to shoot a bow, a longbow. Which to any of us that have done it know that shooting a longbow is and to do it and look like you know what you're doing is not yeah easy to do sometimes yeah sure and i thought they did a pretty good job yeah, yeah but then i was thinking about some of the ones that maybe didn't do such a good job uh, you know for what, example you, one that resonates with me is rambo not necessarily well the form one, is one or f- two three four uh, five, the one where he kills six. somebody <laughs> uh so it's yeah the, the the second movie in the series i believe so that's just called rambo it, it, it may be where he's in the jungles with the incendiary yep, arrows yep and, and yep, <laughs> yeah yes totally the, legit the, the, the like incendiary <laughs> target tips that probably weigh seven hundred thousand grains yeah yeah and have a seat you know C4 get a in them. whopping 85 mm-hmm. feet per second mm-hmm. but what's what's amazing <laughs> is the sound that that bow makes yeah but you <laughs> like a laser <laughs> like a stormtrooper oh, it gosh. is and everybody thought that that was not everybody but yeah a vast majority of the population wanted a bow that that was that shot that way and when they walked into their mm-hmm. local dealer and it didn't make that sound how disappointed were they mm-hmm. oh sure or the fact that uh, i can't make a uh, 150 yard shot without uh increasing the angle of my bow at all apparently that's a straight shot for most yeah <laughs> into the guard tower yeah <laughs> No, Rambo's a good one. I actually forgot about Rambo and his skills. He's self first blood, right? Right, right. Is good. He's is uh, slow, uh, sly. He's he's a lefty. I believe so. There's a lot of these guys that are, you know also uh, very short. All the yeah, all short and left-handed. Um, the uh, the Avenger fella, uh, Night Nighthawk, uh, the guy who shoots shoots no. the bow. Um, Jeremy no sp- Jeremy Renner. Yep. No, no spoilers here. I haven't haven't seen that one. Not a yeah. surprise. Jason Bourne yeah. movies too. Right, <laughs> but he's a lefty. I think he's one of the guys that doesn't quite pull it off you know string never gets back to his his you know his anchor point yeah even close you know and he's it's all cattywampus what bothers me too is like when you see the uh hmm. you know the uh the, the string oscillating to the point where you know that's set at about you know 19 pounds yeah what uh, yeah. the uh the katniss everdeen's of the world who could hold a I think she or... she actually her form is form is great. Yeah, um, I think we should see more of it. Uh, Probably, I think they should come out with more movies. <laughs> right, um, less volume. 
just more footage. Yeah. More, All kidding aside, though, uh, that, that movie has done more to grow the sport of archery True. than just about anything in the last that's, 10 years, or that, that series of movies. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Can't can't poke too much fun at that. Sorry, Nate. A lot of Hollywood. <laughs> well, I guess we could poke fun at it, but we've got to give some props to I think we should probably <laughs> give props to uh, uh, young Jessica Beal when she made her archery appearance in uh, the Blade. Blade. Uh, Blade yeah. Trinity. Ah, yeah. Um, yes. Somebody had to tell me that she was actually shooting a bow there for a while. <laughs> quite picked that up. <laughs> um, it's like uh, Daryl on The Walking Dead. He just kind of throws it up there. Yeah. And the limbs never move Jessica. when it fires. What did she <laughs> yeah. start on? What was, the, what was the, the family show that she started on? She could have been shooting a bow in that. One Tree Hill or uh, something. I don't know. It was a family Our sometime. wives would know. Yeah, they played basketball. Good. She was a basketball player. That's all I remember. <laughs> I think I was like seven or eight. You want to take a few minutes? Just uh, starting to like girls. Guys, can we take a cut? Costner? <laughs> <No. laughs> um, Co- I was just going to bring up... Uh, was he a lefty? Robin of Lockshley. Uh, no, well, he's or not. dances with wolves. Yeah, no, but Christian Slater was after that movie because he shot him in the hand. With his, oh, that's with right. Bill. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. No, I thought he did a good job in that. I didn't see the follow-up Russell Crowe Robin Hood. I heard that was. Uh, I was slow. a big big letdown. Yeah, big letdown. Not enough archery. A lot of for you. epic expanse no. landscape mm. shots, humongous battle scenes. Yeah, pretty much. I think they depicted at one point every single soul that inhabited the island of England and Scotland at the time were all involved in the same battle. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too much. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, what about was... fishing? Um, before we uh, hit the record button, I asked you about, John, I asked you about uh, the River Wild. Or no, I'm sorry. The river runs through it. Yes. yes. A river runs through it. You being what our... A hypocrisy. Yeah. <laughs> You want to go with what grinds my gears here? Listen, I like, I mean, I like Samuel L. Jackson as much as the next person. <laughs> <laughs> but his performance. <laughs> oh, wait, no. That's Snake's on a plane. I, uh, I'm I was sorry. thinking of the I, same I'm movie. Confused. <laughs> I'm confused. Uh, Although he's Brad, done he's done so many movies, there's a good chance that yeah. he actually was in that movie somewhere. <laughs> That's true. You guys need an extra? I'm good. Uh, yeah. You know, shadow casting, it's it's. It's, it's false advertising. It doesn't work, number one. Um, I've tried it. Explain what that is. In about, I watched that movie once or twice, but it's been a while. So the idea behind shadow casting um, was, uh, I forget the actor's Brad Pitt? role, his okay. name in the movie, but yeah, Brad His Pitt, character Pitt, name? Pitt. It's always Brad Pitt. Rhymes with Pitt. I can't remember. Uh, he had found this one up by shadow casting, and shadow casting would basically emulate... Uh, he was dry fly fishing, so this was presenting a fly that would float on the surface of the water, you know, an adult insect. And uh, thanks for really breaking it down. And uh, anyhow, <laughs> it was it was like it was like yeah, it was, it right, was he was like doing figure a, eights. Yeah. And and you know he saw he Conductor. envisioned the fish, and, and you know just basically making him. it seem like okay, this buck basically enticing the would be uh, fish that he would catch that hey, there's something there, and he. He'd shadow cast and uh, mm-hmm. 
It doesn't work. It doesn't work with anything. It's like a form of sight fishing then? Well, he didn't actually know there was a fish there. It was, it was very More of a very poetic, right. you know. Okay. And That was uh, a very pretty movie as well. It was. It was very well mm. done. If you could envision... Well, Brad Pitt's cinematic. a very pretty man. So. If you could envision like a fireman... You should see the tattoo I got. <laughs> you know, like the action of a fire... One guy holding a fire hose, like a super high-powered <laughs> fire hose, just trying to control one fire hose. Well, that was that's what Brad Pitt was doing. I don't think doing. that's possible for one. That's what Brad Pitt was doing with his fly rod. Just <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to buy Jake a chair. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, don't make them like you used to. <laughs> as long as it's, it's the chair and not the euro mount. Uh, yeah, I was more concerned about the the, ant, the antlers behind you. Uh, Try it on any 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 fish. Uh, warm water, cold water doesn't work. No, mm. does not work. It does work with house cats though. Oh yeah, ah, yeah. they'll follow that everywhere. <laughs> yep, yep. Not to get too far off, but one, I, one thing that bugs me, and we can talk a lot about this particular subject, but. When people get it wrong, really, really wrong. I was watching a uh, TV the other day, and I was—I I saw a commercial for something, most likely some sort of you know drug that did. But there was two people out in a boat, two two different boats, and the lady was yelling to the guy, "Hey, you know, you having problems over there because his boat was leaking or something." But she's holding a a conventional uh, rod. I know, you know the what commercial I'm talking, you're talking about. about. Yep. Progressive insurance. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So. Um, Scratch those off as a as a uh, sponsor, potential sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she's got an open face reel, and she's holding it upside down, so the uh, reel's facing it's her. It's a spin caster. It's a spin casting reel. The eyelets are yeah, straight up, up into the yeah. sky, and she's she, she's reeling it backwards, <laughs> or what would appear back. I'm like, you know what's you, funny though? My wife fishes that way. Because for the until funny about that until yes. last year, <laughs> she was not aware that. That most spin casting reels, you can mm-hmm. undo the the thumb nut and oh, switch the handle to the right. other side. Because she's more comfortable reeling. Yeah, she right wants hand. to reel with her right hand, mm-hmm. so she always just flipped it over and ro- sure. reeled backwards mm-hmm. when she was a kid. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. I got her into to going fishing with me, mm-hmm. and uh, and it took me a while to convince her that she was doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could see that. It's a not easy thing to break. With the, uh... Yeah. Yeah. So finally, when she was, I think she was dealing with the dogs or something, and I ran over there and I just flipped it over for her real quick. Mm-hmm. And, and then she went to flip it back over again, and the, all of a sudden the handle's on the other side. <laughs> She's like, What happened? What is this sorcery? It's <laughs> like, I fixed it for you, dear. Uh, huh. <laughs> now you can. You can turn it around and actually set the hook when you need to. Um, <laughs> it just goes to show and, uh, though. And now she catches more fish than I do, so I'm grown to regret that. That does say a lot, though. But. So that's cool. That's cool. That's that's nice that you uh, helped her out. Yeah, we and also and discussed that to... same commercial though too. Uh, because, I know. Uh, we're reminiscing about the time. It's travesty. It is. When people do that, I just, you would think of all the people off. that are involved, most likely in the making of that commercial. You're telling me not one person saw that and was like, yeah. You know, the only problem is here is she's doing that completely backwards. <laughs> you know, so I digress. But anyway, so some of the things that we're going to talk about today, um, you know, we're kind of in the, the doldrums of, of winter. We're going to talk about <clears throat> what you can do to to get through those those winter months. Um, there's a lot of things to do out there. We're just going to highlight some of them and talk about uh, the best way to get through to spring. Um, we're also going to talk about um, – we actually had a pretty significant power outage here due to some some really nasty weather in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, it's been a couple of months now. But uh, you know, just the things that I had encountered throughout those, and all three of us really um, being sportsmen, hunters, and fishermen, how uh, how that's helped situations like that. Just being prepared, 
um, all the little gears and gadgets that we had um, laying around that, that really helped out those four or five days without power. So we're going to cover that. Also go over a couple of uh, technical tips on, on what you can do to uh, better be ready for next season as far as um, storing your gear and, and preparing it for next year. So uh, when you open your bow case or get your hunting boots out or your packs for the next year, um, you know, you don't have a big surprise on your hands. So, but before we get going, like all of our episodes, we will start out with a little segment like we like to call, Would You Rather? <laughs> that is our uh, intro music. <laughs> <laughs> we'll improve oh, on that over time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't see the horn. Oh, yeah. So if you're not if you're not watching, um, we our episodes are available online as well. But we do have a uh, a horn from I'm I'm not sure if I commandeered this legally, but uh, I got this from the state of Hawaii. It's a, a mouflon horn. So um, I haven't figured out how to clean it out so I can put my beverages in it yet. But yep, <laughs> yep, <laughs> soon enough. You're right. Yeah, if you want to if you want to see the video version, go to our website. Yep. Crave.net. Check it out. So today's would you rather? Um, Nate, why don't you tell us about it? Uh, yeah, so today we're talking about altitude sickness and seasickness. Which one's worse? Which one would you rather deal with? Mm-hmm. And all all things equal, if you're out on the water on seasickness, in both scenarios, you're having a pretty epic day. You're right. in fish or you're in critters, be it sheep or elk or mule deer, elk or, mule deer or, or what have you. So, um, So we're going to talk about... For one, for those who've not had the utter displeasure of <laughs> experiencing either one of those, we're going to try and kind of give a 10,000-foot overview of, of what each one entails and then give our opinions on yeah, which one is the lesser of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's the good, yeah, I mean, that's the key to a good would you rather. Most of the time, it should make you fairly uncomfortable to even think about it. Um, <laughs> so true. Yeah, or very excited for either. Right. Or you, yeah. Right. Exactly. Either one. But altitude sickness. So we talked a little bit before we went on here and kind of discussed that some of us have not uh, experienced one or the other. Uh, Nate, you said what? So I've had seasickness before, but not altitude sickness. And John? And I've been on the ocean a lot, mm-hmm. but I mean, I've never had the full blown you know, seasickness. Mm-hmm. I've thought, you know, okay, here it comes. You know, you're waiting for it. I'm ready to start chumming for my buddies. But <laughs> I've never actually pulled the trigger on the, on the open sea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, however. Ralph Hurl. Yes. Otherwise known yeah, as. Yes. However, <laughs> I, uh, I have experienced altitude the, the altitude sickness. side of it. So mm-hmm. probably like a lot like our viewers, you know, whether you mm-hmm. know, some of them haven't had the chance to go mm-hmm. ocean fishing or be on the Great Lakes, but mm-hmm. uh, vice versa. You know, yeah, they just I, don't get very high. I think there's uh, there you, there's definitely people that will, <clears throat> can experience seasickness on much smaller bodies of water if it's really bad. Um, I've one of the people that have had the the pleasure and the joy of actually having both, not at the same time, but altitude and seasickness. <laughs> so <laughs> wouldn't that be something? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the difference. That might be a lifelike situation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about the difference between the two. So Nate, you said you've had seasickness. Yeah. What? To give give us your firsthand experience on how awesome that was. Not awesome at all. Awesome level. <laughs> so basically, you're out and you know varies depending on your conditions. And so, I've been out in the ocean of several different times. Living in Oregon, we're not far from the Pacific Ocean where we're located here. So, done a fair few deep sea excursions and 
Um, thankfully, I haven't had to deal with that too much now in probably the last 10 or 12 years. But when I was younger, high school age, uh, my dad and my brother and my mom and, and I would charter a, a trip just about every year. And the probably the first three times we went out, it was it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was okay when we were kind of boarding the boat, motoring out through the bay and getting into the open ocean. And then it seems like it gets worse as soon as you lose sight of land. And, and sometimes the swells are so bad, it doesn't matter if you lose sight of land or not. But mm-hmm. basically, you, you know, you, you have no frame of reference to kind of keep you, your equilibrium mm-hmm. settled in and just the swells rocking you up and down. And just eventually you got to, you got to bow to the fish gods over over the <laughs> over the side rail um there was there I love was all of our references <laughs> <laughs> there was no way of avoiding chum in the water mm-hmm. at least in my case and and mm. so i so i experienced it <clears throat> three times in kind of t- th- two different ways the first two times i didn't take any of the medicine you know, like dramamine uh for the motion sickness and so i spent the whole time at the rail puking my guts out basically and then the third time I went out, I knew that I would had this problem the first two times, so I, I took the Dramamine beforehand. And the crazy thing about seasickness, if you suffer from it, and then you opt for taking the medicine anyway. So the, the good news was on that third trip, I didn't throw up. The bad news is I didn't fish a single moment because I slept the entire time. By, the, by the, the time we were motoring out from the bay to the open ocean to the spot where we were going to fish, I had fallen asleep because this medicine just knock makes you out. super drowsy. Yeah. So That's their idea. We'll just knock them out and, you know, yeah. we won't get seasickness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you won't experience anything. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and so and I think that's probably why I didn't get seasick is because that stuff made me so drowsy I just fell asleep and then I wasn't trying to look for the horizon or for mm-hmm. for land or whatever and, and trying to mm-hmm. find some sort of reference as you're bobbing around out mm-hmm. there and i just laid in the cab and just kind of looked at the ceiling of the 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 uh cab of the, <clears throat> of the boat we were on mm-hmm. so um but at least when i had the seasickness the first couple of times i was able to fish for a little while yeah and then it was all downhill from there oh. <laughs> so that's my experience for uh seasickness so on the flip side, John, yeah. tell us about your uh, your bout, which I got to experience firsthand um, with you. Uh, mm-hmm. Altitude mm-hmm. sickness. Yeah. Elevation so, sickness. So, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Day to day, we walk around. It's 200 feet elevation mm-hmm. right here, roughly where we're at. You might be a little higher. Um, 247. 247. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Actually, uh, <clears throat> I know exactly where we're at because I did – that run today I did on the app uh-huh. it tells you where we're at. So we're actually at about uh, I'm at about 400. Right really? Mm-hmm. Gosh, mountain made man it, made it to uh, you eight, uh, mountain man. You. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, my nose actually is bleeding a little bit here. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, yeah, my my experience with altitude sickness. Um, uh, we went from here where we're at in the Willamette Valley mm-hmm. at, you know, elevation 200 to 400, uh, depending where you're at. Mm-hmm. And we went to, uh, we went to Colorado. Yep. You, uh, you pitched me on a, on an idea there where, you know, Hey, there's elk everywhere and I'm the best elk caller in the world, mm-hmm. which turns out you are. Um, it was amazing. 
<laughs> I, uh, I was, that's another. That's for another podcast. Couldn't be further from the truth. Um, but uh, now I also remember pitching you on that um, on that trip because I had had some unbelievable yeah. hunt hunts in in Colorado. And I remember saying, thinking to myself, man, I, it had been a while since we'd been there. And I was like, man, I really hope I'm not overselling this. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> no, it, and it, it long, I mean, it was a great trip. And we'll cover that in another episode. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> we were hunting. We would, uh, our base camp was probably, we, so we parked the trailhead. And the trailhead was seven, eight oh, yeah. thousand. Yeah. And it was a pretty quick vertical climb to where mm-hmm. it was only three or four miles into base mm-hmm. camp. But yeah. base camp was nine-ish close to it yeah and then a couple of the days we hiked up to around Mm -hmm. 10 Mm -hmm. maybe 10 plus and for you know myself coming from 200 uh uh it was just tough i had a headache a really bad headache the whole whole week we were down there um and we were blessed to to kill um to harvest uh four bulls in six days and that was with uh you know, spike camp and then kind of a base camp down by the trucks. But we were hiking a lot, as you can mm-hmm. imagine. And uh, that was and five hundreds or four hundreds on that. Four hundreds, four for four. Yeah, it yeah. was. A, it was. It was a phenomenal trip. And Archery hunt. We hit it just right. And uh, and you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot that probably went into that. You know, to me having a headache the whole time and pounding headache. You go to bed pounding headache, wake up pounding headache. Um, um, some something to go into that may have you know something that didn't definitely didn't help me is i was, I was severely obese at the time <laughs> you remember um, how much fun you made of me when i was running beforehand <laughs> yeah yeah i was probably i was very very fat i was i mean i was at least five pounds heavier um then than i was now and uh you know we you know they you say, carried it all in your face <laughs> they say they say uh, hydrate 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 well we hydrated uh the night before uh, Before we base, base camp, camp. Yeah. however, it was probably with the wrong liquids um, type of liquids. Yeah, which not which looking for the water with not a lot of electrolytes no. in in mm. uh, in those beverages. It also means. didn't help that we <laughs> walked up probably three quarters of a, well, probably a half a mile, uh, but a good a good solid incline, and we realized that we forgot the tent. <laughs> oh gosh, I forgot. <laughs> so we that. made John go Holy back down and get it. Man. Well, he was so far behind. He's like, "You're closer to the truck. Just go back." And this down. was this was. Uh, <laughs> hey, John! Yeah. Turn around. This wasn't like a pup tent either. This was. Uh, no, we had four guys. This was a big, a uh, big dome tent. Mm. Yeah, it was very yeah. heavy. Yeah. I did, think uh, for some reason that year they were making the bars for the tent out of Rebar? tungsten. <laughs> <laughs> it was about eighty pounds. Did it have all your <laughs> twenty-five by pounds. twenty-five foot tarps it was, in it too? It was big. Yeah, <laughs> it was big. But you know, nevertheless, um, yeah, and. There again, there's obviously a lot of stuff you can do to probably mm-hmm. avoid that kind of circumstance. But mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, have nobody to blame but myself mm-hmm. and my eating habits. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, there's some pills. I mean, there's some stuff you can take mm-hmm. there again for for the altitude side of it. Well, yeah. you have to start taking those like a week before you <laughs> yeah. go, right? Yeah, and it probably wouldn't hurt to do a little jogging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that that goes without well. Little it should body. go without little, saying. Little, it doesn't. Lower body it just generally doesn't matter what you know. But you're I, doing. I, how how old uh how old were I mean I don't know we were that was two thousand nine. Okay, so and know, that was almost holy smokes eight years ago seven eight years ago in our in our twenties. Yeah, you know, just thinking you know mm-hmm. no big deal. Thought you were invincible. Yeah, because from here you go from like zero to five, five and six in Oregon, and you know that's high. 
6,000, 7,000, that's pretty high. But yeah. And when you're, if you live in Colorado, you start or you, you walk around it, you know, that mile high level and you're sure. up to 10. So, but from going to 200 to, you know, 9,000, 10,000, that, that yeah. hurt me. That hurt me. Well, now time. that you, that you kind of talk about what the symptoms were, I think I did experience some of that, uh, here several years ago. Did you get the rash? No. <laughs> well, I get rashes anyway, so I, I'm, I'm not sure if it was from that or just... Infl- inflammation oh, was already there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was very itchy. <laughs> Good thing Jake was there to help you That's out right. That. Yeah. There were some hard to reach places. <laughs> you got a friend in me. <laughs> yeah, those, uh, those, those fur bows came in handy that, that trip. <laughs> um, but we, Jake and I went over... on that one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's right. We got software for that. <laughs> um, but Jake and I, we, we scouted in Eastern Oregon mm-hmm. several years ago, and mm-hmm. I remember similar symptoms, and, and I, I attributed it to just de- massive dehydration. <clears throat> but come to think of it, I mean, we were we made our base camp that weekend at probably 6,000 feet, thereabouts. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that could have been yeah. part of what I was dealing with. And we, <clears throat> But again, I was... I would I would say I was definitely overweight at yeah. that point too, and we we not only were at that level but we climbed up and down. I mean mm-hmm. we probably had two to three thousand feet elevation gain. Yeah, two we, days in a row. We were or, or gain or loss I should say. Pretty wiped out. We were tired mm-hmm. and dehydrated. So that brings us okay. So look, you know, if just breaking the two apart, elevation, uh, altitude sickness. You're dealing with severe headaches. Um, yeah, and that's probably the and not it's just fatigue. You, you're so tired, you know, and you're grasping for air, and it's just not there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it. I'd never had it before, and I'd been to Colorado a bunch to where John was talking about where we went hunting, and I, and Nate and I went back there a couple of years ago, and that was the first time I really experienced it, and it was for a pretty short time, but it was it really zaps you. I mean, you just have no energy, and your head your head just pounds. Um, so that. On one side of the coin, on the other side of the coin, you have we're talking about elevation or excuse me, seasickness, where, man, you, you're you're dizzy, you throw up um, a lot, yeah, sometimes I'm, nonstop, um, you and just then dry I'm heave going, when yeah. there's nothing left. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I mean, I guess I didn't choose a side. I'm I'm none def- of us did yet. Yeah, to that effect, I would say I'm going to take the altitude sickness just because I have I have had that and it is, it's bearable, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you can at least, you especially, have, you know, you're, go ahead. no, I was just, you know, if you're in critters, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, like I said, it's tolerable, but you can, you can do stuff, you know, you can be active some effect. Yeah. It's miserable, but, um, mm-hmm. the guys I've seen with seasickness, they are incapacitated. Yeah. And when they're not incapacitated, they're throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, that just, yeah, I never want when that. it stinks because you, it completely Literally. takes you out of. It it takes you out of the of the game. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, at least with a pounding headache, you know you can keep drinking water and tell mm-hmm. yourself you're getting better. And then yeah. if you got bugling bulls around you or you're mm-hmm. glassing up big muleys mm-hmm. and you're in critters, yeah, you can forget about a headache even yeah. if it's a pretty bad one. Well, on the variables that you're dealing with on the ocean, you can't stop the the motion. Yeah, of the ocean. <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> Uh, at least That's with a head, you know, at least with when it, at altitude, you can sit down and you can put your head between your legs. You can take a nap, whatever. You can just kind of regroup and sure. Eat, so snack. Yeah, it's. I think we're probably, uh, at least me. I, I'm. I'm on the same boat. 
Yeah. No pun. Yeah. Uh, I think we're. I'll take the altitude sickness. I, I think it's a unanimous decision this mm-hmm. week. We'd yeah. all take altitude sickness. Hit pause. All right. We're back. Apologize. Had to adjust a little bit of the lighting situation here. Yeah. So we want to make sure our viewers can see us. It's very right. important. Yeah. Especially you, Nate. Right. <clears throat> I am uh, the Adonis of the group. Two of us are very photogenic. (laughs) The other one, I apologize. (laughs) The chair you're sitting on is having some issues with you right now. Ah, (laughs) the sound of kindling, like like crackling separated or like crackling in a fire. Um, I'm concerned. There's a reason why we call you Baby Huey. Gosh. We're we're going to bring that one up. Several reasons, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We actually had to swap John's chair out. Because uh, it was in pieces. Don't worry, I got a nice so. beanbag chair for him. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the problem with with uh, late winter, early spring. Uh, you start climbing the walls yep. and acting a little goofy, which is the time yeah. we're, we're in right now. Especially um, when you're talking about being outside. You oh, just get it's all rough. jacked up. Yeah, today, luckily, was a pretty nice day. But, uh, you know, even... Even those days are, are far and few between. So one thing we wanted to bring up and discuss a little bit was what, what to do. I mean, hunting season, for the most part, is kind of what we all live for. Obviously, September, October, November. Whether we're elk hunting or mule deer hunting or whitetail hunting, I mean, that's that's the uh, the epicenter, the, the climax of, of the year, the hunting season for us, the hunting year. Yeah, and after time. that, yeah. Can he say climax? I did. I think yep, I can okay. say that. We, do we have to mute that? <laughs> We're going to have that little red E on right. pretty much all of our episodes, I think. Apex? So we'll, be right. <laughs> we'll be all right. Yeah. Pinnacle? The Pinnacle. Where were you there? I would have said Pinnacle. You would have. <laughs> you would not have said Pinnacle. You would have said another P word. But let's give him a pass. You would have said another word with a P. Let's give him a pass. He just watched uh, Deliverance. Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. A little out of his element. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, but all that being said, as graciously as we just did, um, I mean that once hunting season ends or you punch your tag, I mean, there's also that punching your tag early, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. We'll get into that, uh, some other day, but what do you do when season's over with and you know, you still have that drive and you still have, you know, that, that, uh, the itch, the itch to get out and do something. So what do we do? Obviously we come home, we... We recover for a little bit. We put our gear away, and you know you reminisce about the year that you had, and whether it be good or bad, all the good experiences that we had, and and then it's kind of on to the next thing. Well, what can I do next? You know, what uh, what's next? Is it shed hunting? Is it coyote hunting? Is it uh, um, you know ice fishing? You know, what is it? So, wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things you can do to kind of curb that appetite, um, scratch the itch throughout you know December, February, uh, January, February, March, April till. You know, you get into spring bear and and, uh, um, and turkey, along with some of the other things that come in. So, um, well, first thing I said, one of the first things I said was shed hunting. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, <clears throat> shed hunting kind of goes, to me, uh, shed hunting kind of coincides with, you know, running cameras. You know, as far as blacktail goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I run cameras just about 365 days a year for blacktails. Granted, it's not a lot, but um, mm-hmm. to some effect. You know, it's more during hunting season or, you know, when the rut's going on because you're trying to find that buck or that deer you're looking for. But it's interesting to see, you know, what local deer you have 
you know, they're still packing horns and when they drop. And so the shed hunting and the camera deal kind of, kind of coincides. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for, for mule deer anyway, um, that varies with, with, you know, weather patterns, you know, the harsher the winter, typically the earlier they drop and, and it's February right now. And I have some buddies that are pretty fortunate to be close to where the mule deer are at. And I'm getting pictures of bone and uh yeah you wish you could be out over there looking for some of that stuff but that's definitely something you know that keeps you in shape Mm -hmm. you know and gets you outside sure and that kind of like you said curbs the curbs the appetite but there's there's so much to do here in oregon so much to do and you kind of have to pick your poison yeah Mm -hmm. and shed shed hunting in western oregon is probably pretty low on the on the priority or at least at least the as far as success rate, I mean, we've talked about that. Nate, you said before we got on that you know, you don't even really actively look for sheds out here because it's so damn tough. I mean, we don't yeah. have any. We don't. We rarely have snow, um, and if it is, it's it's for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, so you know, finding sheds in the snow is kind of out. We're dealing in, with in the uh, western part of the state. Of western part, yeah. right? Western. West I'm talking of the about Cascade Black Tail. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Some of the best shed hunters I know. Um, I'm are at talking, this table. I'm talking. Yes, they are. <laughs> I'm not here. I'm not, I mean, I'm not. They're not, not here myself. Uh, but you guys. Um, but shed hunting for Roosevelt elk and shed hunting for black-tailed deer is is much different than shed hunting for white-tailed deer. You know, Rocky Mountain elk or mule deer. It's just it's a different game, and we can talk about that later on. But it's just you know the <laughs> the the odds are stacked against you when you're looking for black-tailed deer rosies yeah but the coastal rainforest essentially it sucks dude it's so thick sucks. I just, tons of underbrush i mean no it's great it's great you guys should big ferns totally do it <laughs> yeah i'll be over yeah. east <laughs> yeah because i mean to some degree the the, the, the difference between summer and winter ranges for blacktail you know sometimes mm-hmm. not non-existent even mm-hmm. or very very yeah. very short distances but yeah. the the amount of brush and yeah. I mean, you're looking for a you're looking for a chocolate colored antler in a you know canopy covered timber where it gets very little light on a dark brown to black uh, canvas. You know, it's like it's tough. You just and yeah, you get a year like we've had this year where we've had all, all the weather we've had. Lowdowns, yeah, and tons of sticks. I guarantee you, a lot of those horns are going to be underneath branches. Yep, and just buried. It's going to be tough. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough. That being said, we'll be out doing it. We will. <laughs> we will. We'll yep. give it our best. We will for sure. Yep. But no, that's 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 one way to do it. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about that has really changed over the last you know ten years and and maybe longer than that, Nate being our IT whiz. Uh, but digital scouting, um, <clears throat> and I do a lot of this when it gets closer to season. But I think it's important probably to do it even more. More so now when we have a little more screen time or availability to be in front of the computer. But, yep. you know, getting on Google Earth and, and uh, some of these other platforms that allow us to look at satellite imagery. Yeah. And, again, we're in the West, so, you know, looking at we, – we're dealing with a lot of public land. Um, but finding spots that we can get away because it's getting tougher and tougher because as people listen to these podcasts and discover it for themselves, that pushes those people further into the woods and uh sure. you know finding new spots is tough so if you do it this time of year and you start to look at um looking at those satellite images um, and it's so cool the things you can do with them as far as um, manipulating them to look at elevation changes and and you know different 
types of you know rotations and, and mm-hmm. uh, views. It's and for pretty us, cool. The you know the 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 timber activity. Mm-hmm. If Google Maps is up to date, mm-hmm. you know yeah, the, what's been clear. Um, you know t- timber harvesting and stuff is a is a big provider of habitat in the western part of the state. So being able to see the aerial photos of of what's changing on that regard. And, mm-hmm. Uh, that's huge too, yeah. and then also, you know, wildfires is a big thing as well. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's a great tool. Um, you had sent us that link earlier. Where we were looking at, you know, like you said, wildfires burns, but uh, and that's mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, two to three years after a burn, I guarantee you, there's critters, mm-hmm. there's critters in there. But yep, um, you know, updated uh, maps of of logging activity. That changes patterns big time. Sure. So it's you know it's just you know kind of desktop scouting yeah. that you can do, and it all it all kind of like yeah. you said just kind of scratches the surface. But you're mm-hmm. always thinking about you know next year, and it, and it, it and there's 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 many many things that fill the void, especially where we are at. You know because you have fishing, you know 365 here, um, you know duck hunting. You know it just. Right. It, it's just you, kind you of, mind a little you got to pick your poison. You really yeah. got to pick your poison. Right. Sure. And a lot of it has to do with, time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, time and how much we can actually get away with uh, as yeah. far as being out of the house and being away from our families and, and yeah, some of us with kids and kids on the way. And, um, yeah. and that brings up a good point, too. It, it doesn't really scratch the outdoor itch, but mm-hmm. taking care of some of those honeydews in the winter months goes a long way to allowing you to play more. Yeah when uh when things heat it, heat back mm-hmm. up again so the other thing before we get off of uh digital scouting is is something we spoke about a little bit earlier was um there's a lot of good programs out there that'll tell you um uh landowner names contact information um you know it's yep. not a bad idea if you're and this is more suited probably for the midwest and for the east coast where there's just so much more privatized land um get to know if you if you got a, a property you have your eye on um use those resources out there and find out property, you know, uh, owners' names and, and, uh, you know, the answer is always no, if you don't ask. So, sure. you know, get a hold of these people and get a hold of them now, um, in the winter months, spring months, and it, it'll go a long way. You may be, you know, be, it might not be a real warm reception, but something maybe you can work on throughout the spring and summer. And by fall, um, you know, maybe you've, uh, well, I'll take my example here. I have, I just moved to this, this property, a little over a year ago, I have a few acres, um, but the neighbor to uh, to the south of me, um, you know, we had a bunch of uh, storms and, and they had a bunch of trees go down over their, uh, over their driveway. And I went out and I cut all their, their trees out for them. It's an, an old, older lady that lives there. And, you know, um, I haven't really pressed the issue as far as hunting on her property. I'm really looking, she has some, a lot of <laughs> local turkeys that... Uh, <laughs> that uh, are very present on her property and sometimes come onto my property. So um, it's one of those things where, you know, if you, if you plant the seed early and just kind of, you know, just keep that communication open and, and sure. contact that it'll, it'll hopefully pay off in the, in the long run. So yeah. mow some grass, split some fire. Yeah, for sure. You would have done, knowing you Jake though, I mean, you would have done that anyway. I have a big heart. I absolutely would have done that. That's true. So, so I mean, that is kind of a, a, any chance you get to run a chainsaw, of, you just got to, <laughs> that's true <laughs> i was getting used to the job of the chainsaw this year so but what else what else can we do in the in the winter time well when i am not eating eating <laughs> um or or drinking 
um, you know, pop. Uh, Eggnog. Yep. I'm normally cooking said foods to eat <laughs> in uh, short order. <laughs> no, uh, you know, fishing-wise, um, you know, and, you know, this goes along with hunting, organization. I mean, you know, getting your stuff in, in line for the next potential opportunity is a big deal. But more specifically, when I'm not, you know, typically during the wintertime, I am tying my spring-summer trout flies. Um and steelhead flies, and then vice versa. In the summertime, I'm preparing my fly box for, uh, you know, steelhead and, and fall chinook and, and stuff of that that kind of nonsense. So, um, and that's, that's that's almost like therapeutic. It is. It, it really is, and it's and it's 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 addictive. And there's and that started since I was you know, dad sat me down at the vice and showed me how to tie a fly when I was seven years old. And he showed me the basics. He showed me how to make a half hitch, how to tie in. You know, showed me the different sections of a fly and what they're called. And he uh, he he did this. He put in you know elk hair and, yeah. and dubbing and hackle. And I remember even at seven thinking, "Wow, that looks nothing like what you would buy at a fly shop." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, bless his heart, he goes, "Oh, and the secret's all in the trimming." And <laughs> and so he kind of covers the fly, and I'm on his left, and he's he's trimming the fly with the scissors. Well, he swapped out a store-bought fly. Oh, he did? And he pulls away his hand, and he's like, Classic there you burn. go. Classic burn. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that looks awesome. And he's like, all it takes is practice. And he, like, does the mic drop with the scissors and walks away. And, and from uh, You're going to be hell, out of my hair for hell, good I was hell-bent on making, you know, something similar. And, yeah. uh, and that's what got me started. And he had flies. no, probably no idea what type of monster he was creating at that time, did he? I don't know. He's he's a genius, and he's 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 a renaissance man. He's really a jack of all trades. But I think he he knew exactly yeah. what he was doing. Yeah, you're probably right. And uh, and yeah, we <laughs> I, we still joke about that from you know till today. But you know, I'm I'm tying a lot of flies at the bench during the off season, and that kind of you know supplements right supplement the fact that I'm not actually fishing, mm-hmm. but. Well, we talked about organization, too, and all of those things. I I mean, there's no shortage of gear. There isn't. And it it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you're a a one-trick pony and and you're a hunter and you love to hunt and that's it. It doesn't matter. You have a lot of hunting gear. Or if you're a fisherman and that's all you love to do, you have a lot of fishing gear. And if you're like us and you do both and then you sprinkle in some of the other things like waterfowl and upland and and varmints. and I mean, it's just it's amazing how much stuff. Yeah, snowboarding, snowboarding, snowshoeing. Oh, yeah. yeah, camp, just camp gear. Yeah, um, you know, now that I have a family, um, I made a purchase of a uh, a very thrifty one, mind you. Um, of a uh, <laughs> aren't they all a ten? Yeah, I have to be now. <laughs> ten person tent this year. You know, it's like, do I need? Do I? Would ten I have ever people? planning yeah, for the future? Or three of guys <laughs> like us. I see. Uh, no, mom and dad have to have their private areas. So. <laughs> uh, but no, so just but being organized with that stuff, and this is. This is the time to do it. Get your stuff organized. Go through this. I mean, I have camouflage that I guarantee I will probably never wear again. Um, I got to go through it. I should get rid of it. You know, either give it away, give it to somebody in need that that, that could use it or sell it or, or donate it. But, um, yeah, there's 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 plenty of things to do. And, and we're actually going to do a tech tip a little bit towards the end of the program um, on uh, some of the things to do uh, with your gear as far as preparation for the following year. Um, but other than that, I mean, uh, I grew up in the Midwest and, um, did a lot of ice fishing when I was, when I was young. And quite honestly, I really, I miss it. Um, it's, it's a, 
it's a very social uh social sport um it's it's just a lot of fun i mean where i grew up which was in wisconsin i mean it was uh you know, everybody that they put as much effort into building their ice shacks as they did probably at the <laughs> house that they lived in. Um, I mean, everything from TVs to bars, bars were pretty much in every one of them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, heating systems, uh, windows, drop down windows, um, card tables. Card, oh, yeah, card tables for sure. I can't tell you mm. how, much, how many cards I played. Bowling alleys. <laughs> no, <laughs> dartboards. Uh, yeah, but I mean, ice fishing was great, and it really is. It's a, it's a fun way to get out and uh, to fish. I mean, my dad, who still lives in in Wisconsin, um, it seems like about every other weekend I'm getting pictures that he sends to me of of a, a you know half a pail full of panfish that he caught and catching cold water fish, um, whether it's northern or, or panfish or walleye if you're if you're good and lucky. Um, those cold water fish are amazing to eat. Um, eating a northern in the summertime when it's when they're warm and kind of soft, still not a bad fish. But when you catch them to the ice, man, it's it's something else. But that's a really fun sport. So um, obviously that's not going to be applicable to everybody that's listening. But I would encourage you that if you guys if 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 there's listeners out there that are um, looking for a trip, there are some amazing ice fishing trips that you can make up into. Uh, the Boundary Waters up into, you know, uh, Minnesota, like Devil's Lake is one of them. But, I mean, the guys will take care of the – I mean, there's fishing guys that they take you out into the bunkhouses and, uh, you know, you eat like kings and you catch fish and you, you uh, fellowship so with your friends. There's how there's actually got beds out there. Oh, yeah, people shames. stay out there. Yeah. Um, They're yeah. so organized. <laughs> they, you, can, you can call up at bad. the local pizza <laughs> joint. And yeah. they'll, they'll deliver pizza to your specific no shack because yeah. you just give them your lock number. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Oh, my darn. Yeah. But it's a ton of fun. I mean, it's it's uh, wow. it's exciting. It's something that uh, I, I think everybody should experience um, sometime. It's If you're an outdoorsman and you like to fish or hunt for that matter, it's a, it's a ton of fun. So I'm actually kind of jonesing to get back there uh, one of these winters to do that. It, it's it's fun. So And if you awesome. got a quad or a, you know uh, – uh, um, snowmobile or something i mean you take off and go for a ride and i mean it's just it's fun it's yeah. completely yeah. different than anything else you do it's very it's very low-key sure very low-key so but what else nader what else would you uh put on the list of things to do one other thing if you're if you're big into archery like we are um you know your paper target leagues are usually going in the winter months that's a good way to kind of keep your skills honed and mm-hmm. get out and and still like you were saying with ice fishing that that's a pretty social event as well you're you're out once a week uh or more if you're involved in multiple leagues right um you know chit-chatting with like-minded people that are can't wait to get back out in the woods with their bow too mm-hmm. and uh plus the level of competition is always fun mm-hmm. you know you get your shoot offs and the leagues where you got a little bit of buy-in and sure. some payouts and stuff and particularly when you have that i think that that definitely helps you improve or maintain your skills because you have a certain amount of pressure on you then mm-hmm. you know if you're just in a fun league and you're just there to shoot you know you're just flinging arrows but right. you know if you're if you're dropping 10 bucks every week when you go mm-hmm. in you got a chance to win 100 yep when you place or whatever mm-hmm. the payout is you know that you can never you can never duplicate this the scenario of when you've got a bugle and elk or a right. or a giant mule deer or whatever the species is in, in front of you in bow range but when you've got some pressure on there, when there's money on the line, it, it gets you a little bit closer. There was an archery shop that I called on um, when I was selling, 
and uh, he was in Ohio. And I, to my knowledge, he still does this, but he'll do a, a big March Madness um, shoot, and he does it with uh, Techno Hunt. But he'll set up a whole bracket system with a handicap. So if, you know, if you're the best shooter in the county, you're not going to win necessarily because it's all handicap. But and he does, you know, four or five weeks, six weeks of of, and he does it just like the the basketball bracket. And he has oh, nice. wild success with that. He's <laughs> really, cool. really good. You know, and it's it's a do great. Your, do the do the head to head shooters show up at the same time or because I've I forgot about Techno Hunt. I've seen that mm-hmm. a little bit here. And yeah. There. Typically, yeah. they do those where you just you come in any time during the week and you yeah. sign in and you shoot right, your score. Right, right, right. It, it's not you can't do it all at once just because of the the sheer sure. amount of hunters yeah, but, or shooters. But yeah, I know that's something. If you have, you know, search out local dealers, uh, archery shops, and if they have techno hunt or, or leagues, like leagues are all over the place. Um, you know, with social media, most <laughs> I found that most archery shops have a Facebook page um, rather than. Actual website, so yep. check check for them on social media. But yeah, that's a that's a lot of fun. You were uh, you were saying? Oh no, I was just uh, I was just kind of reminiscing on on things to do to pass the time, and and I'm horrible at shooting dots, and so I was <laughs> laughing at that <laughs> little target pen. Oh man, I was like, you put a dot in front of me, and and you know it's just it's just tough. It's tough to hold that pin. Yeah, you put an animal in front of me, and I can hardly hit that too. But I was gonna uh, say there must have been a bunch of dots <laughs> at on least, that elk. At least year. on an elk, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, they're four by three at least, so you can draw some hide. But um, you know, something I think that kind of gets forgot about is um, you know we do so much, we put so much effort into you know scouting and preparing, um, whether it's our you know our tree stands, just our hunting area in general. But um, something that would be probably even more impactful is if we spent some time in the off season uh predator control that's a huge deal um coyote you know cougar um you know bears where it's legal uh yeah here in oregon we have a spring bear season it's yeah spring bears spring Mm -hmm. bear starts early and um and same i think in idaho california and, and quite a few northwestern states but um man I mean, elk, deer herds, they, they are impacted by, by, by those predators. And, uh, um, especially in a year like this where we've had yep. so much snow yep. in the Northwest and, and really everywhere. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, and, and it, and if you haven't done it before, I mean, there's, there's lots of good, there's lots of good resources to go to, 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 you know, get some information to just kind of get you started. But the reality is, I mean, you know getting out and at that time of the year is 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 the win you know the byproduct of that is if you do get lucky and you're able to harvest uh, you're going to help out the the population of of deer and elk so in in certain situations too if you get a hold of ranchers or or whatnot and in the west you know that could be what circling back to what we were saying before getting in with those landowners uh touching base with them early that's you know, a, helping them with predator control yeah, right. with that's their a great in with their yeah. uh sheep population or whatever their whatever livestock they're running mm-hmm. just uh another potential in and mm-hmm. bonus bonus for you as a hunter for uh helping out with the predator control yeah. for the yeah yeah for sure for the game animals mm-hmm. too yeah and that might roll into like you guys said uh you know get you into you know hunting if they are property allows it to hunt uh, big game in the fall too so yep but you know talking about the weather that we've had uh out here in the west tons of snow we've had now we're actually uh set to do a, a steelhead trip here in a few weeks but now john you usually go to eastern oregon 
uh, to to do your annual steelhead trip, correct? Typically, yes. Yeah, and you're not yeah. going this year because of all the snow. Yeah, it's it's really bad. There was uh, <clears throat> um, the weather in that part of the state, northeast Oregon. Um, you know, southeast uh, Washington has just been horrendous. So uh, the river that we would typically fish um, is covered in ice right now. Wow. And uh, therefore the the level of the river, you know, doesn't even register because it's just a solid <laughs> sheet of ice. Um, so, you know, you might fare well with your ice fishing skills. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, for, for an us option? <laughs> going over. This, this is the same river you showed us video the other day of where there was blocks of ice floating down yeah. the river where mule deer were, yeah, were was stranded pretty, on. Yeah, and it was pretty Frantically sad. trying to hop across yeah. to get to the, the – either bank really. yeah it was really sad that so nevertheless that's not going to be an option but um great thing about oregon is there's a lot of rivers with a lot of steelheads so we're going to target you know probably somewhere on the west side this year um but uh um yeah really looking forward to that really really looking forward to that so um and that weather we've had time. that weather was not only on the east coast but um or on the eastern part of the state but also when we got hit we got hit really hard, um, probably, well, it was right after Christmas, I believe, um, with uh, freezing rain, which, you know, John alluded to the, our, our um, elevation where we're at here in, in the Willamette Valley. Um, we get very little snow. Um, we do, it seems like the last, and I've lived here for 11 years, but um, in the last couple of years, we've seen some really bad ice storms where we've gotten some freezing rain. Temperatures would hover right around, you know, anywhere from 29 to 32 degrees, and it wouldn't snow. It would just we just get this this nasty free, freezing rain. I mean, and this year it got really bad. We yeah. we lost power and lots of trees, and uh, you know, most of the city and really all the way up and down I-5 um, from Portland to you know Southern Oregon. It just it was a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. So it, either, was, uh, it was either snow or freezing rain. Yeah. And it, in some, it, one of the storms we had a solid half inch of ice all over everything, mm -hmm. and then about three to four inches of snowfall on top of that. Yeah. So Ugh. I mean, it was like a war zone place, mm -hmm. like here at your house, Jake, for sure. It looked like a tornado just, went through here. And and sitting here in your house all evening long mm -hmm. is just. Crash after crash after crash of yeah. trees, whole trees blowing over, or just massive limbs breaking off and yeah. coming down. It's and crazy. it wasn't even that they were blowing over, but there was such an accumulation of ice on the trees and the limbs that would actually uproot. I mean, a lot of the trees that we had go down on my property and up and down the road here, they either would shear off, you know, 15 feet, 20 feet up. Or they would actually be get completely uprooted because there was so much weight at the top of the tree right. that you know where we are, it's 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 so wet all the time that the roots don't go very deep. They they're they expand, yep. but they're just not very deep. So it's, but they're they're super tall. I mean, they're yeah, and they're fir yeah, trees. They're I mean, they're seventy five feet plus, yeah, top heavy. with really shallow root systems. Right. So we would get like Tanae's point. We, we had a <laughs> much bunch like of, John, like John, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very top heavy. Yeah. So you lost <laughs> my chair. You lost, you lost power, right? We did. We lost power for five days, um, and I thought know. it was five no. days. Wow, wow! I good friend probably would have came out and helped you out there. Yeah, I didn't hear from. I, I thought didn't it was hear only, from a lot of people. I, I uh, it was like didn't really days. have offers. To, 
<laughs> I could have came and stayed in your uh, domicile. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, we had. But you guys that, were out, too. Yeah, well, the propane tanks are full. We had heat. You guys had heat. <laughs> yeah. You just hooked on and uh, you just hooked on and drove south. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Jerk. Jeez. Uh, but, no, it was rough. Anyway, that was kind of getting me thinking because, and, again, we've been here for about a year, but I, I, I wouldn't say I was overly prepared for a power outage. Um, uh, we were, however, as a sportsman, I noticed that a lot of the gear that I had, um, in all my hunting stuff and fishing gear, and it just really, really helped out between the headlamps and, uh, I mean, have, we ate mountain house for the first day and a half, <laughs> you know, the whole family did, Oof. um, fired up the jet ball. Actually, I think I posted some pictures. Uh, we were warming up the baby bottles on, uh, the wood stove, <laughs> uh, for the chitlins. Um, but as sportsmen, I feel I, I was really proud, you know, because I, I never, like, I never panicked, first of all, because whether we're in situations where, we're, you know, we get lost in the woods, which happens occasionally. <laughs> you get turned around or, Once you know, you know, you're just out, you're spending, you're, you're almost you're living off the land, but you're living very primitively. And for us, I mean, we went from having everything at our fingertips um, which I can't tell you how many times I tried to turn a light on and there was no power there. <laughs> just habit. muscle memory. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, everything that we needed to survive, we had. And, yep. I, you know, we didn't have to run to run to town. And, I mean, how we couldn't make it out of our, our driveway for the first day and a half until I cut out, you know, yeah. the trees that had gone. I remember on. checking in with you and you were mm -hmm. like, day two into the deal, you fired up the chainsaw, figured mm -hmm. it was over and cleared mm -hmm. your driveway. And mm -hmm. later that same day, five yeah. or six more trees fell over. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. I but, tried calling you. I just, for some reason, it wouldn't Yeah, go you're through. so good with your phone. I'm surprised. Wouldn't, wouldn't go through somehow. Yeah. Sorry. Cell towers went out around, down mm, around it's, there. It's tough. You know, <laughs> try. And it just doesn't. That's right. When you so move sorry. here shortly, I'll be there to help you out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's cool. I think sportsmen in general are 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 more equipped probably to deal with and granted you do have the uh, the preppers the doomsday preppers that are probably uh they get like almost giddy when that stuff yeah happens. they're looking like, oh for man a, i gotta use my gear now yeah awesome. yeah for sure got my bug out bag you yeah know? <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad no i i i'm just thinking about those kind of people that yeah. i know in my life yeah and i could, <laughs> I could see that i could see that yeah, that was that was Christmas Day for them. Like, I'm so glad the government caused this ice storm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were hit a lot harder than I was. Um, I had we lost electricity for maybe a day, and then it was back on. Um, that being said, you know, there's only so much room in a 25 foot fifth wheel. Yeah. So uh, you guys were warm. Yeah, we were toasty. But it's just yeah. good to know that you have. For the listeners, John doesn't live in a fifth wheel full time. He's just <laughs> uh, <laughs> transitioning yeah. between yeah no. uh, real estate transactions right now. That's right. He's between <laughs> things. Yeah, it's feels good, comfortable. Yeah, you know, I think it might become some more of a norm. But you never like know. It. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if we can get the see if we can get my wife on board. Yeah. So, but no, that was. Uh, that was a that was a sticky situation and you know we we made it through pretty pretty comfortably thanks in part to a lot of the things that I use you know on on most of our western hunting trips so but I also was thinking you know if this was if this disaster was a little bigger than than a, a simple power outage if it was like tornado or or something uh wildfire whatever like what would I save first 
my taxidermy, my guns. Well, my I would gear. hope your family. This is life aside. I hope your kids. family would be up there, Jake. Yeah, they're on. They're on the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's in top. If it's a multiple choice, one, two, they're three. A through D. They're one of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's not all of the. There's above. not the, all of the above. There's not all of the above. That's not how this works. Okay. So what would you? Okay. Say? What so would you take with you? in a man, a lot of questions. How much time do you have? You have. How much time do you have to get out? You have forty-five minutes to vacate. Forty-five minutes to hmm. vacate. Just like man, that's you too have much to, time. You can grab everything in forty-five I know, minutes. I know. You have Especially, fifteen I just, minutes. I didn't just hook up the fifth wheel <laughs> again. <laughs> and I'm out of there. Uh, it doesn't matter. You got to pick. All right. Um, hmm. Well, there's obviously some things of value that you would take, but on, it'd probably be more sentimental type stuff. Yeah. You know, photo albums and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most anything of value is not in my house. Um, it's at a secure location. Hypothetically, so don't try John, coming hypothetically. to my house because I will take you out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say uh, probably a few old guns that don't even work anymore, sentimental value type stuff, and yeah. uh, some photo albums. Yeah. All your racks and taxidermy. You yeah. Let, you let it rip. Yeah. 45 mm-hmm. minutes. I mean, where are you going to put all that stuff? Yeah. You can't like, really you. haul that with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's my trailer can only fit so many spikes and sporks. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a pretty short list. Yeah. Unless you know that shit's really hitting the fan yeah. and it's going to be weeks and weeks before you can reestablish. Yeah. Then that might change some things, but Yeah. Like here in Oregon, they've always they've, you know, the last few years for sure, the voice has been getting louder about a, you know, preparation for the big earthquake. Sure, you know they, they figure it's coming one of these days. And mm-hmm. if you're close to the, to the Pacific coast, you know the tsunami danger is pretty high and stuff. So in an area like that, I mean, preparation for bailing at a moment's notice is going to be way different than yeah. than us inland. But okay, you guys are looking um, at this way too deep. Okay. <laughs> Just, would are. you save your guns or your taxidermy? Guns and bows. Guns. Yeah, no, yeah. Because you got to save those. Got to save those instruments to make more mm-hmm. memories. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's a tough one. Forty-five minutes. You got room for all that stuff? You can always buy guns. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I mean, there's there's a few things. There's a excuse me, a few guns that that my dad gave to me that were my grandpa's and. Yeah. Like right off the top of my head, there's a twenty two um a twenty two pistol that my grandpa gave me. And we had it down in uh California when we were uh we were down there. Uh, snake Shoot. control. Snake control, yeah. <laughs> but I love that gun. My grandpa that was my that was the first gun that my grandpa gave me. And I have Chef's I have a thirty odd six that, that was his and, and my dad's got a couple of guns that he gave me, you know, like th- those mean something. Um I'd probably grab those. You know, my my bow and, and, and that stuff I'd as much as I, I love archery hunting above anything else, <clears throat> you can get another bow. Yeah. But yeah. There's definitely some sentimental things, and there's, you know, if I'd have time to grab a couple couple racks, you know, uh, you know, like Odessa's my wife's blacktail right there, you know, that was her first deer she shot. That was her first deer. Yeah. That was wow. her first archery kill. Period. We have wow. that story. Yeah. We do. We'll, that was we'll one try of and get that released at some point. Yeah, yeah. That's a bigger buck than. 
most people have killed. Yeah. For yeah. Wives. Yeah. Yeah. She, That's pretty uh, special. Like she worked hard. I'd like to more say she than worked hard for ninety-seven percent of people have killed black tail wise. Yeah. Special deer. She put her book yeah. down long enough to draw and shoot that buck. So wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. gonna hear it for that one. <laughs> <laughs> she was one and done. Yeah, but I would I would grab that buck. I would probably try to get that one and a couple of these other ones. Like my dad and I were hunting together and. I'd, I'd probably, if I could, grab yeah. those. But, but yeah, gear is gear, man. But, but some of that stuff that means, means a lot to you, for yeah. sure. Yeah, actually, you know, like like this, you know, from that I found in Hawaii, you know, that'd be, you know, that means more than a lot of this stuff, you know. So yeah, so I don't really have any of my own <clears throat> trophies that I would worry about, but I have two euro mounts, one for my grandfather, one for my dad, right? That I would want to make sure I got, right? Yeah, um, and I. <laughs> My my family, most I have some extended family that mm-hmm. that hunts, but in my immediate family, I didn't really grow up around at least big game hunting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't overly prevalent, so yeah. you know I don't have a lot of I don't really have any firearms in my collection that have sentimental value either. So, um, but isn't that interesting? You know, we this is a hunting and fishing podcast, and you know we, I mean, I guess. I don't know, superficially or if you you know you don't peel too many layers back you know we do it because we we love to shoot you know we we, we love to we love the experience but the goal is you want to shoot a, a big buck or a, a you yeah. know or an elk or catch a big fish you know i mean but <laughs> when it comes down to brass tacks and we talk about like you know saving those trophies like if it if it means it it really doesn't you still you have know, the memories you, that's what's important you're never yeah. gonna lose those exactly yeah and mm-hmm. For me, the, the the meat harvested has always been oh yeah far more important. Than that's the, a good point. If I could save my freezer anyway. right now, that's probably yeah. the first thing <laughs> I would yeah, try to keep. <laughs> yeah, I remember meat. talking to you when the well, ice storm <laughs> hit. That was your biggest worry. Is like, crap. Yeah. You know, I brought that generator out to you right away. Yeah. And you didn't end up needing it, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, that would have been yeah, that would have been the biggest. I uh, almost brought my generator out too. <laughs> I knew you were you were the second guy uh, I would have called. Right, so. school, you know, Nate's closer. My dad lives in <laughs> Wisconsin. Was he probably would have been out here before you did. So. <laughs> yeah, it was well, like you said, it was uh, it was a, a state of emergency, and I hadn't quite collected all of my. John, if I ever get to the point where I really need something from my, you, uh, sound I will, and music DVDs. I will call your wife. weren't quite <laughs> because I know she'll pick up the phone. <laughs> uh, that is true. Okay. Okay. All right. He did uh, have some drama or some things to deal with down there too, though. Yeah. Your tires go flat on the fifth <laughs> wheel, or yeah, yeah, I did. Um, sound of sound of music DVDs weren't working. They were <laughs> had to get those rolling. <laughs> the hills are alive. Uh, so let's get to our tech tip for the uh, for the episode. Uh, yeah. um, one thing that we've done so many things wrong as hunters and fishermen, outdoorsmen, big time right here. We, you know, especially me yeah well hey <laughs> no we've all done it all of us have done it um but in the in that experience we've learned how to do things correctly you know that's that's the best way to learn so um we want to kind of bring bring our listeners some of that uh some of those experiences and hopefully that helps them out so one of the things we want to talk about today as far as a tech tip would be um off-season storage and we touched on a little bit today but um I had mentioned that, you know, I love archery hunting and, you know, if, if I had to give it all up and keep one, you know, one activity, that would be my, my thing would be archery hunting. Um, and, uh, you know, when it's time to put the bow down for the year, or at least your, your hunting bow and your hunting setup, uh, I've done it and it's not pretty in, in the, 
you know, spring and, and summer when you pick up your bow again is uh, I've left my arrows and broadheads uh, in the quiver um, over over the course Ooh. of a... <laughs> oh, what a noob. I know. Oh, no, you did. <laughs> oh, man. But I did. I did. Oh, okay. Um, so... If you haven't done that or were thinking about doing that this year, or if your arrows are currently in your quiver, I would mm. probably suggest uh, going and getting those out. And for a few reasons. One thing, if there's any moisture that's left in the foam of your quiver, and there's a lot of different quivers out there, some that don't have any foam, period. But regardless, um, I would take those broadheads off and get those into a, a spot where it's nice and dry. Otherwise, the metal will rust after a while. Um, and... You know, you, you owe it to the animals, you know, to be out there with the, you know, with the, um, with the broadhead that's that's working and 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 sharp. So sure. if, if you leave them in your quiver with foam, they're most likely they're going to get they're going to get a little rusty. They're going to get a little banged up over the course of, you know, four or five months, especially if there's any type of moisture in there. The other thing is, it's good to take your arrows out of the quiver, um, and that is really for no other reason but uh, you don't want to stretch the grippers out um, to a point especially with all the different sizes of arrow shafts right now if you are using a, a common um, carbon arrow uh, size right now whether it be you know gold tip or carbon express or or there's there's a bunch of them out there but all of them have differing sizes varying sizes of, of shafts so if you have a larger shaft right now that's that's in your quiver take it out you go to one of the thinner shafts that are <laughs> it's tough for you john to listen to this isn't this and not make a comment <laughs> uh but if you go to a thinner shaft arrow uh in the future it, it might be tough to use, reuse that quiver gripper because it'll be all stretched out so yep Take your uh, take your arrows out of your quiver along with your broadheads. <laughs> put them in a dry place. Let's get off shaft size for a second, shall we, John? <clears throat> you want to talk about cock veins? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Those those of you who use quivers, that's a great that's a great idea. You know, you just put them in your teeth. Well, I mean, uh, here for the last <laughs> four or five pocket. years, I've just packed one arrow around. That's all you need. And Woods. don't even use just a knocked. Cuts weight. <laughs> Cuts weight. It's easier to move in and out of the brush. No, no, those are all good points. Those are all good points. And uh, I apologize for my <laughs> my interruption. Um, but Your sophomore humor. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Gosh, it's bad. But it's funny. Uh, yeah, maybe. But on, given as far as fishing, you were talking about fly fishing, and I mean, is there anything that you do? Um, I don't know, oil your reels or. Um, well, I think the the kind of all encompasses is the uh, as far as the tech tip goes is, um, you know, organization, uh, and the sooner that you get done with whether it's your you know your bow hunting task, you know, rifle hunting task, whatever whatever venture you you know embark on, when you get back from that, clean up your crap because some of that stuff overlaps. You know, yeah. when you're when you're doesn't matter what kind of hunting I'm doing, shed hunting, duck hunting, deer hunting, I always have some binos, you know. I mean, make sure you you clean those off, dust them off, <laughs> put them in a place where you're going to know where they're at because it never fails. Uh, something will happen, you know, throughout the year, and you have the opportunity to go do something. You know, somebody calls you up, hey, let's go, let's go fishing, let's go shed hunting, or let's go do something. And you're like, okay, I know I have all the stuff I need to do this. Where the heck is it at? 
and that's kind of my story. Um, but anything I could, you know, add to that topic is just clean up your crap because yeah. there's, It'll make you... I've been that guy where you get out there and all right, you know, you buy a pile out of the truck and you guys have, you have this, you know, this GPS marked out area. You're going to, you're going to shed hunt this, you know, 10 square mile area and I don't have my boots. So I'm out there in Romeo's you know, walking around. <laughs> it sucks. So just, you know, organization is yeah. a huge key. And Speaking we, of boots, I was I was going to mention that as far as uh, my tech tip goes. Um, you know, a lot of times when we hang it up for the season, just got done with the late season, it's, it's wet, be it snow or rain or whatever. Um, and one of the things I've learned a couple times – it's uh worse there's nothing worse than breaking your boots back out again in the spring for shed hunting or whatever it is and they just smell like the local bowling alleys rented them out for three months straight <laughs> yeah just reeking you know and, and, and then yeah exactly you've got the mildew stank all up mm-hmm. on them and then you know even if you can n- not suffer from the seasickness while you're lacing them damn things back up <laughs> You get out into the field and you start walking around again and all, you know, the shoelaces are so rotten from getting put away wet, you end up busting a lace or something like that. And Mm -hmm. then you're just up up the creek without a paddle at that point. And yeah, the, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys say it and it's definitely true. Taking care of your feet are one of the most important things in just about anything you do in the outdoors. So take care of your feet. You got to take care of your boots. So make sure you're mindful of that. Weatherproof them. Um, before actually going back to the Colorado trip, I remember that um, <clears throat> I had been pretty diligent, and this goes back to I remember my dad doing this before years and years ago when he would go travel out west, you know, and and that was always such a huge trip to go elk hunting, you know, that, that his preparation started, you know, back in April or May, whenever the tags came out. Yeah, as soon as and he knew. Yeah, he drew. yeah, and I remember yep. him putting you know layers and layers of. Uh, of spray, waterproofing spray on his boots. <laughs> sure. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that ingrained in my mind and I do it to this day. And I, and you know, it, it, it's one of those things that can't hurt. So, you know, do it, do it often when you put your boots away for the year, give them a spray down. And then, and then again, and when you break them out again, um, it cannot hurt, but yeah, keep them in a dry place. And, and along with everything we've talked about, whether it's archery equipment or or fishing equipment or or just backpacking equipment in general just keep it dry you know we're in western oregon it's wet all the time so keeping stuff dry is tough it's a lot of times has to be put in our house just to keep it dry sure so but no that's good you guys got anything else uh got a what'd you learn today nader uh well i learned john's apparently quite infatuated with shaft sizes um yeah to be honest i thought he was he looked like he was about ready to nod off up until that point and uh well you you got his his, his attention snapped Did right somebody back somebody say okay. uh i i learned also that one of you guys slipped me some dramamine <laughs> i am 100 percent sure of we it. didn't want you getting seasick you know? i learned that the uh the weight rating on the chairs that we're in right now gosh dang you guys <laughs> Whatever John's at, it's lower than that. <laughs> That's right. John? Oh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Uh, I learned that, uh, oh my gosh, this is a tough one. What did I learn? Okay, I learned that uh, I have cell service where I'm at in yeah. my fifth wheel. Yeah. And um, I just, I apologize. I didn't get those calls when you needed my help during that winter storm. Um. 
but Nate, good, you're such a good friend. <laughs> you were there for Jake. <laughs> uh, and then I also learned over the course of the weekend that uh, a thigh master can be an incredible upper body workout. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's what I learned. Butterfly presses. Is that a Suzanne Summers uh, plug? Perhaps. <laughs> if you're listening, Suzanne. <laughs> she's, yep. a, she's probably a big fan. I'm sure she's she's subscribed. Yeah. She live? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, if you want to check us out, um, uh, Instagram, it's uh, at the crave. Excuse me, at the dot crave. Otherwise, our website <laughs> is uh, thecrave.net. We'll be uploading new content as much as we possibly can. Um, follow us, subscribe, leave us a review. Yep. Give us some feedback. Yeah, weigh in on those would you rathers. Mm-hmm. Give us some ideas on future future content. Yep. Find us on Facebook as well. That's right. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.